In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Again, a very warm welcome to everybody as we come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus to, to praise and, and worship God on this beautiful morning. We especially welcome this morning uh, fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, and godfathers. Um, could we have a show of hands as to who are fathers here this morning? Fathers? Great. Grandfathers? Great-grandfathers? Great-great-grandfathers? <laughs> I can go on. <laughs> Any great-grandfathers? Okay. Godfathers? <laughs> Quite a few, eh? Okay, so a very warm welcome uh, to you, especially uh, those precious people who, who fathered us over, over the years, and we're such a wonderful example. Now, just to recap, last Sunday we, we focused on the, the doctrine of the triune God, the three persons in one God, the Holy Trinity. Remember the Father who created us and loves us unconditionally, the Son who through his sacrificial death took our sins onto his shoulders that we may be saved from the consequences of our sin and, and have life eternal with God and the Holy Spirit who came into the world at Pentecost to transform us and challenge us and empower us to, to live our lives to the glory of God. And then two Sundays, that was last Sunday, Trinity Sunday, and then two Sundays ago at Pentecost we commemorated that wonderful event when the Holy Spirit of God came to meet the human race, the dawning of the age of the Holy Spirit as the dominant reality in the life of humankind had wonderfully taken place and we celebrated the birth of the Christian church. I sincerely hope that on, at Pentecost you guys did celebrate the birth of the Christian church and, uh, and the wonderful presence constant presence of God in our lives. You'll remember that Jesus had promised his people as he promises us still today, I will be with you until the very end of the age. That was the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples and that's the promise that he gives to each and every one of us sitting here this beautiful morning. I will be with you until the very end of the age. And Jesus' promise was fulfilled in the coming of the Holy Spirit. And God lives with us every single moment of our lives. Not only, not only lives with us, but empowers us to, to live our lives and empowers us to live our lives victoriously, to live victorious lives. Just as the Spirit gave gifts to those early followers, you know, when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit and the tongues of flame separated and, 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 and lighted on, the, on those disciples, and there were many people in that room, and many spiritual gifts were given to those people, so God also blesses us with those special, with those special gifts, as spiritual gifts, to build his kingdom, to build God's church here at Calvary, and he gives us the gifts that we need to build our lives, to build our lives, personal lives, and to build our families, and to build, and to build our community. In, indeed, wherever we are, God gives us those gifts to build his kingdom, his wonderful church, wherever we are. Now, if you don't know, 
what your spiritual gifts are, then we need to ask God, what, what spiritual gifts has God given to us? And certainly every one of us has been given gifts of God. And uh, also those, also ask the people around you, because you know, so much, sometimes it's so much easier for the people around us to see the gifts that God has given to us. And so if we don't know what our gifts are, every baptized, every confirmed Christian has gifts from God, and we need to be using those gifts in the building of God's kingdom, as I say, wherever we, wherever we are. Now, in my own experience, over nearly well, 37, 38, nearly 40 years I've, uh, in, in, in being involved in ministry, I've seen people healed of, of, of their illnesses. You know, when people pray, not, not, not only the priests, it's not only the priests' function, it's the people of God's function to pray for people who are ill. And I've seen people who have been healed of their illnesses because of the prayers of the people of God. I've seen tough prisoners in jail when I was working in, in prisons many years ago when I was still a young person. I've seen tough prisoners in jail who would think nothing of sticking a knife into your ribs, melt into sobbing penitent lambs and speaking in tongues when fellow prisoners who'd become Christians prayed for them. Not in the church, because the church is where Christians are gathered together. The church isn't, and this is a beautiful building, I so envy you guys, you know. This is a building, a church building that, that one becomes so aware of God. And when you look up at the altar up there, uh, don't you become aware of God's presence, hey? But you know, when we're not in church and we gather, two or three are gathered in, in God's name, that's where the church is. And we can see it. I saw it in prisons, and I've seen it everywhere. And, and I've heard cynical atheists. I was just telling uh, Alice yesterday that uh, I, have, I came across a, a, a confirmed atheist one day, and a group of people suddenly shout out, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, when they've been touched by the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm sure that there are many people here today who can tell of experiences where you have seen the power of the Holy Spirit of God in action. Of course the Spirit acts today in the church of God. Of course he acts in our lives. What we tend to forget though is that, is that God doesn't always and everywhere act in these spectacular ways. Right here at Calvary Summit, I have seen, and I've only been here since, since last Friday, I have seen the Holy Spirit of God acting very, very powerfully. And you know, and do you, know, want, to, do you want to know why? When I see people responding to each other in loving each other, hugging each other, and concern for one another, I see the Holy Spirit of God in action. When I see people here in church praying together, I see the Holy Spirit in action. When I see people at home and saying, saying grace in restaurants, I see the Holy Spirit in action. When I see people worshiping God and singing his praises as this wonderful choir do, I see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God in, their, in, their, in the choir's lives and in the life of our church. I see the Holy Spirit of God in action. When I see people visiting the sick, taking food, or just visiting the housebound, as I know that you guys do, when I see people pushing others in wheelchairs, reading the lesson in church that Leonard's read so well this morning, on a Sunday morning, leading the prayers and, and, and carrying acolytes, carrying the cross and the candles. Well done, guys. Very impressive. 
and, and handy and ministering the chalice, coming to Bible study. Then I see the Holy Spirit of God in action in a very specific and powerful way. When I see families loving each other and caring for each other, when I see fathers responding to God's call and require requirements of them to be good fathers and family men, then I also see the Holy Spirit of God in action. Today, as we know, is Father's Day. And so a very special welcome to every father and grandfather and great-grandfather. Your presence is a wonderful joy to all of us. Now you'll remember from that Genesis reading this morning, didn't you find it fascinating? Where we were we listening to the story because it is a fascinating story. And we heard how God was going to make Abraham a dad. How he was going to make Abraham a father, a dad. But man, was Abraham nervous? Did you get that impression when you heard the reading? When he saw God in Trinity, remember, he saw the three men, God in Trinity, Remember, if you've forgotten that, go and read the lesson again. And Abraham was nervous, and, uh, and this old man ran around, and he wanted to wash the feet, and he wanted to fetch bread, and then he ran and fetched a calf to be prepared, and curds and milk for a meal, and then he waited, they said he waited under a tree, but actually he was hiding away from God while these three ate. And then the three said to Abraham, um, Abraham, uh, where is your wife? Where is your wife, Sarah? There's, they're, in the, they're in the tent. You know, in other words, don't focus on me anymore. Focus on Sarah. There, there she is. You know, Abraham, your wife is going to have a baby. And Sarah hears this, and Sarah laughs, for she knows that she and Abraham are now old folks, you know? They're old people. And uh, she later denied it, but the Lord said, Oh, yes, you did laugh, Sarah. You did laugh. And you will have a son. And Sarah did indeed have a son, Isaac. Now, do I've I've never, I'm not a biological father. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm the a spiritual father to to many people, and especially to our our orphans. But um, do expectant fathers and mothers actually carry on like Abraham and Sarah? Is is do they? I don't know. <laughs> I suppose that they do. Maybe fathers are very nervous. The fathers that I've spoken to, certainly, you know, you have these, these, these young men and they've been doing their thing and suddenly their wives are, are pregnant and is expecting a child and suddenly a young man who's been doing his thing suddenly becomes very serious, you know, and panicky. And is his wife okay? Am I going to be able to do, do good as a father? It's normal. The story is told of a small boy who pestered his father with lots of questions. You know, that small boys usually ask their fathers, you know, where is this, why, why is that happening, what for, when, how, and so on, and so on, and so on. And finally, he asked his dad, Daddy, what do they make asphalt roads of? And his father replied, that's the 900th question you've asked me today. Please give me a little peace. What do you think would have happened to me if I'd asked my father so many questions? And the boy thought about this and then said, Dad, you might perhaps have learned the answers to some of my questions. <laughs> Cheeky little devil. <laughs> Dad's out there. Now hear this. A wife needs a strong family unit. Wives want their husbands 
to take a leadership role in the family and commit themselves to the moral and educational development of their children. That's what a wife wants of her husband. The Old Testament book of Proverbs in chapter 22 verse 6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn, of, turn away from it. The training must happen. The father's responsibility is there. My wife and I care for 580 so-called AIDS orphans, and I can tell you, I can assure you, it it's really is a, is a heavy, heavy job. And uh, our youngest is six months old, and the oldest is 18 when they leave the project. And um, certainly we have caregivers for our orphans, and social development department uh, helps us care for those and pay those caregivers and, and, and so on. But there are no fathers around, and, uh, and children need their fathers um, for that important purpose of, of teaching the children good values and cooperation and care for each other. I don't know what it's like here in the United States, but in South Africa, there are many, many young children growing up who do not have fathers in their lives. And uh, they, they're absent, the fathers are absent. And so we will one day reap the benefit of young children growing up without that education and without that, those, those moral values that all children need. And certainly, lots of time needs to be spent. We talk about spending quality time, that's important, but it's important to spend lots of time together as a family. Many men view this need for a family commitment as very demanding, and, and, and rightly so. And it's a demanding role for them. And, and sometimes men would turn away, fathers would turn away from that parenting and hand the parenting process over to their wives. But we need to remember that, that by avoiding the role of father, a man actually loses um, his wife's respect and her love for him is actually reduced. Have you found that, ladies? Have you found that, guys? On the other hand, men who accept the challenge of good fathering report that they come away with a deeper and more fulfilled marriage. Their effort comes back to them many times over in the admiration of their wives. And remember, the best husband is a good father. I just throw that out. <laughs> you can share that and uh, use it. <laughs> okay. The story is told of a, of a little boy of five who was with his father at bedtime, an event that didn't happen very often, as dad worked very hard and was seldom home for his son's bedtime. And after a lot of maneuvering and fun and games, the father finally got the little fellow into his pajamas. Daddy, I have to say my prayers first. And obviously mom was doing a very good parenting job. And the little boy would normally pray, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Can you imagine a little five-year-old praying a prayer like that? I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, abnormal in its morbidity. <laughs> maybe, maybe the mother needs to teach that little five-year-old a new prayer. But tonight, this little boy looked up at his dad and he looked up to heaven and he prayed, Dear God, make me a great, big, good man like my daddy. Amen. And in a moment, he was in bed and five minutes fast asleep. And then the dad, the father, knelt by his son's bedside and prayed, Dear Lord, please hear my prayer 
and make me a great, big, good man like my boy thinks I am. Dads, you are the priest in your family. You represent Jesus in your family unit. And therefore, your relationship with God needs to be very strong and very personal. God has blessed you with children to bring them up to be the people God wants them to be. And when you do that, you are the father God wants you to be. And so, a huge blessing to all fathers gathered here this morning, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, godfathers. May the Lord continue to empower and guide you to build his kingdom in your family that all families may reflect God's grace, his peace, his light, his love, everything that God is. And you will see wonderful miracles happening in your families. And I say this in our Lord's precious name, our Lord and our Savior, our healer, our brother, our friend, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.